Welcome to the Politically Asian Podcast. We are two Asian American buds talking about politics in hopes that we inspire more Asians to talk about politics. If you missed us last week, that's because we took a break to plan out the next six episodes and put together a list of potential guests. Today is May 10th, and we are coming at you live from New York and Alabama. My name is Aaron Yin. My pronouns are he, him. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Aaron Flaren, A-A-R-O-N-F-L-A-R-I-N. And my co-host. Hi, I'm Jerry Lim. My pronouns are they, them. Um, you can find me on the internet at Jerryaki. That's G-E-R-R-I-E. And then Yaki is spelled like teriyaki. If you're listening on your phone, uh, could you take a screenshot and maybe tag us on Instagram at Politically Asian Podcast. And uh, if you like the podcast, or even if you don't like the podcast, uh, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We have a couple of reviews, but we could be doing better. Um, so today we'll be talking about the history of AAPI History Month and AAPI History in the Classroom. But before we do that, Aaron, how was your week? Uh, it was not bad. I've been very busy. I think the biggest Thing that's happening is i'm getting my second dose of the pfizer shot tomorrow Woo. so yeah and after two weeks i'm looking forward to maybe trying those live open mics again so that's that's what's been on my mind a lot spicy open mics okay um do you have any open mics in particular i yeah i found out i live next to the tiny cupboard oh tiny yeah, cupboard. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, yeah. four blocks away they do open rooftop mics. So I'm like, let's yeah. try that one th first. It seems safest. And yeah, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty excited, actually. I'm jealous. I, yeah. I don't think I'll be, <laughs> I don't think I'll be doing open, open mics for like until July, maybe. Yeah. It's also like the open mics I was doing online over Zoom. There was one that I really liked and they stopped doing it because they're also doing live shows again. So I mm. think this transition from Zoom open mics to live open mics is slowly happening. And I'm like, all right, I guess we, it's back to normal-ish. <laughs> you don't think Zoom Zoom open mics are going to stay? I am not sure. Normally, they're hosted at the same time as live open mics. And it's mm. like, would I rather be sitting in the room or rather be outside? I feel, you know, it's like, I feel like yeah. most people are saying, we'd rather be outside. And that's, <laughs> or, you know, where there's real live audience and mm -hmm. you don't have to deal with Zoom problems, so. Yeah, 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 that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. What about you? How was your week? Yeah. So um, for those listening, the reason why Aaron said we're from Al we're live from Alabama. I am in Alabama right now. I took a flight um, this past Saturday, the Saturday before. Um, yes, the Saturday before because we skipped the week. Um, and uh, I flew on the exact day Delta decided to stop their spacing policy. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, we were like <laughs> sardines in a little tin, um, and it was very nerve wracking, um, which is wild because like, I'm pretty sure like a lot of people on that flight were most likely vaccinated, but it's still, it's just really scary. I haven't been that close to other people and that many people in a very long time. It's Alabama, sard that sounds really scary. <laughs> I'm just imagining those, um, I think it's like SpongeBob episodes where a whole bunch of actual sardines are just standing yeah. all in the crusty crabs. Yep. And that's, <laughs> that yeah, was you it was on like the that. plane. <laughs> that's scary. Well, was everyone, you know, wearing a mask? Yeah. And, um, but they did still serve snack time, which I think is ridiculous. Oh. Um, yeah. Cause like it's, it's, it's like different. They used to, they still serve 
snacks like when they were spacing everyone out but I guess it was like nice to have like that one space apart but like I don't know the Asian auntie next to me yeah. like took her mask off and I was just like we're all yeah. gonna die <laughs> I would feel very uncomfortable everyone on the plane just taking the mask yeah. on and off all the time at the same time oh my god oh, at the same time because synchronized snack time. synchronized yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, COVID is synchronized nice Mm-mm. we'll be hearing about the um Alabama variant very soon that's oh, god <laughs> from the plane <laughs> oh my goodness yeah no 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 it's also just like yeah obviously Delta is trying to make their money back so they're just that's why they're probably packing you too yeah but but the thing is is like I'm surprised that they were able to find the people to pack you know Mm, what I mean like it would be one thing if they were like we're gonna stop spacing people out and then like no one came anyway but like no it was it was full everyone loves Alabama right now (laughs) (laughs) my flight's actually to Atlanta but um, oh okay yeah yeah yeah. I see I see got it cheaper that makes um, sense. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I see. We, I see. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. you got off halfway. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, nice. We we drive from Alabama to Atlanta to save oh, like it's like a okay, it's a okay, okay. it's a big price difference. Um, or at least it is for my parents. So mm. <laughs> whatever. Um, Everybody but, loves Georgia. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Fun yeah, stuff. Yeah. Well, well. Um. Good thing you're vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that'll work. <laughs> yeah. Um. And good thing you're getting vaccinated. Yeah. So, yeah. So we. Yeah. Happy. Happy Asian P- Pacific American Heritage Month to us. Vaccination. Yeah. <laughs> Asian. Yeah. Happy vaccinated Asian Month. Oh my God. Okay. Let's move on to the episode. So today, as Jerry mentioned, we'll be talking about the history of AAPI History Month and also AAPI history and how it's taught in the classroom. To give you a brief summary, AAPI History Month was started by someone named Jeannie Jew, last name J-E-W, but as I found out, is not Jewish. Uh, Jew is just, (laughs) who knew, right? It's just uh, an Americanized spelling of the last name Zhao, like Z-H-A-O. Most of the time you hear the Cantonese version Chu, C-H-E-W, but I can see how Jew just kind of you know, sprung off from that. Yeah. It's, it's also, yeah, I don't think G- <laughs> I've actually never met a Jewish person with the last name Jew either. So that's, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, you're never going to meet like an Asian person with the last name Asian, you know, like that, I feel like that'd be bad. We are, uh, I am your co host, Aaron Chinese and Jerry yeah, exactly. Filipino. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Jeannie Jew is a former Capitol Hill staffer and fourth generation Chinese American, which is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. And she cared about this issue because her grandpa, uh, M.Y. Lee, built the railroads in California between 1863 and 1869. And before I let you know what happened to him, I just want to know, Jerry, what are your impressions of Portland? Uh, yeah, so I've never been to Portland, um, and I always get it mixed up with Seattle for some reason. <laughs> I, I, know it's, <laughs> I know it's in that corner and it rains a lot, question mark. Um, let me think. And I feel like, okay, I know the impression off the top of my head is like, there's a lot of white people, um, both in Portland and Seattle, question mark. Um, but I feel like I have read somewhere that there are a ton of black communities in that corner of the world, um, that have just been like gentrified and pushed out of their neighborhoods. Mm. Um, and also, um anything from the show portlandia with oh my yeah the few sketches i've watched from that show so that's my knowledge of 
Portland. <laughs> Got it. It is very white. Um, yeah, I didn't actually know. About, I feel like a lot of what you said could actually describe both places, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe the rain. I don't know about the rain. Yeah. Um, okay, I wanted to mention that because her grandpa basically moved to Oregon after building the railroads in California, and they were all killed by white workers. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was surprised. Okay, in my mind, I'm like, Portland, it's a lot of white people, but they all seem like the kind of people who vote for Bernie Sanders and really love recycling. Yeah. And then I read this thing about Portland, and I'm like, it was a heavily racist place, according to the OregonHistoryProject.org. Every town <laughs> on the OC line from Portland to Roseburg, Chinese people got threats, and most famously or infamously... There was some place called uh, Oregon City, Oregon City near Oregon City. No, no, Hell's Canyon. Yeah, that's where it happened. Oh, Hell's that Canyon. escalated quickly. <laughs> Hell's Canyon is some place where a gang of thieves, race unspecified but most likely white, it's, murdered. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they murdered thirty-four Chinese miners. And so I'm like, okay, maybe your grandpa was part of that. But yeah, I there was a lot of- I thought you a, said they were workers. That doesn't sound like they're workers. Yeah, that it doesn't sound like they're workers. Uh, it might all be the same thing, though. I mean, in general, the page I was reading, there was just a lot of tension between the white working class and the Chinese working class. Mm, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're always, that's a common narrative. Yeah. The whole Chinese people are taking our jobs, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. and- I mean, even before that, I guess they didn't specify where her grandpa or how her grandpa died, but they just say he went over there and met his end. And I'm like, okay, that does not sound good. Yeah, I was oh just very God. surprised. So to summarize, Jeannie Drew, fourth Chinese American, fourth Chinese generation Chinese American mm -hmm. grandpa worked on the railroads and died. And she was like, oh, we need this month. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we need this. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Um, I know, I know that they, they chose May um, because, like, one, the first first documented Japanese immigrant um, came in May of 1843. Not sure how they really, like, I don't know. I know I know. there's, like, histories of, like, <laughs> Filipinos landed in 1500s. But anyways, we're not going to get picky about it. Um, and then it, also in May, kind of related to um, M. Wiley, is that uh, that same railroad was completed in May of 1869 um and uh it was a week at first it, we got one one tiny week um and then in 1990 they were like oh these asians deserve more we'll give them a month um <laughs> but the president had to reauthorize it um every year which is kind of a joke it, it feels like you know santo is like oh did these orientals earn the right to history yeah, yeah. <laughs> are uh, you <laughs> you getting presents or coal you know <laughs> yeah. yeah when you said that it, it also sounded like we had to it's like renewing a lease on an apartment yeah. every year it's like are you you know it's like are you allowed to stay in the month of may <laughs> they're gonna raise our rents yeah yeah <laughs> that's oh, oh that's so funny yeah 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 that's true though what you mentioned earlier yeah why they why do they even pick jap Japanese, why like, Japanese yeah. people? Why not? Why not anyone else? But yeah, it's whatever. Mm. Ugh. Anyways, uh, yeah. So that's how they picked May, and it wasn't until 1992 when New York Congressman Frank Horton introduced legislation that made Asian American Pacific Islander Month permanent in May. Yeah. Mm. So the president didn't have to like renew it anymore. Or anything he didn't like do that. it. Uh, he signed it. But Frank Horton was the one who introduced it. 
So after, yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah after yeah. that, no one had to do anything else. It was on autopilot. We loved it. Yeah, I bet, you know, like, it sounds like, ooh, that's that's so nice. But, like, I bet the real reason was, like, oh, we don't have, we don't want to waste time trying to reauthorize this every year. Yeah, like, let's yeah, just, yeah. yeah. It would um, save less time. That's honestly, I can buy that. <laughs> I can buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when did, when did you start, like, celebrating APAM? Like, I feel like. I feel like there's a time in everyone's life where they're like, I'm going to I'm going to start celebrating this. This is important. Uh, I mean, I celebrated on Twitter a little bit by, I guess, retweeting <laughs> stuff. But to be honest, I don't celebrate the thing as a whole. Uh, I feel like what I do even now is mainly celebrate Chinese holidays or, you know, lunar mm. calendar related holidays. Yeah, right? there's Chinese people have so many holidays already. <laughs> New Year's Spring Festival, Mid Autumn Festival. You got the Grave Sweeping. Fe- There's so many yeah. things going on. Um, I've only recognized it on Twitter by retweeting, and but yeah, it feels a little. I guess I don't know how to celebrate it. That's true. <laughs> yeah. When did you? I guess it's. I guess I have two questions. When did you start celebrating it, and how do you celebrate it? Yeah, I'm trying to think when I started celebrating. You know, this sounds really bad, and I'm really about to explo- expose myself as a boba liberal here. But I think I actually started when Crazy Rich Asians came out because <laughs> they announced it in like this. I-, I swear to God, they announced it in like May that it was coming out that August. I think. Um, and I was like, Asians, Asians. Uh, so grad school, I would say, like probably. Like, uh, like four four ish years ago oh my god grad school yeah grad school um and then you're you know like i guess i i kind of agree with that i celebrate mostly chinese holidays um and um i guess like well i guess we're kind of celebrating it right like talking about the history yeah. and stuff like that <laughs> this is our that, contribution like, I yeah like that's celebrating it <laughs> yeah that's that's so funny yeah <laughs> yeah so you know now that we've talked about um a little bit about the history of the history month uh we're going to talk about you know the term asian american like where did we get it you know it seems pretty common sense to say like oh asians in america asian american but the term was actually coined by yuji ichioka in 1968. Um, he was a scholar over in the um, university of california system of course and um, you know what they called um, Asian people before that? <laughs> Orientals or Asiatics. Um, nice. They as in like not Asian people, but um, uh, <laughs> Asian people themselves at the time. Um, we we preferred to identify themselves based on um, ethnicity, like saying like, oh, I'm Chinese or oh, Filipino, um, as opposed to like a larger, larger group. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, Yuji was put in an internment camp when he was young. Um, so his uh, political leanings and foundations probably started there. Um, yeah, but that makes I do sense. Like to, <laughs> yeah, um, do like to cite the, the scholar at Queens College named Pyong Gap Min, um, who says, you know, the term is merely political, uh, used by Asian American activists and further reinforced by the government, um, because overall Asian people don't have commonalities in culture, physical care characteristics, or even pre-migrant historical experiences. Um, so yeah, that's that's a good summary and history of the term. Um, so I guess my question for you is, how do you feel about the term, and do you? um identify personally 
Yeah, that's that's interesting that <laughs> uh Pyongat Min says says no commonalities. I mean, I feel like there is some, but I would agree that I don't think there are enough to sort of put us together. Personally, I don't use the actual term Asian American. Like I would say if I had to rank them, I would say number one, Chinese, number two, Chinese American, number three, Asian. But honestly, I would I've never said, hello, I'm Aaron Yin and I am Asian American. That sentence has never really come out for me. You know, so yeah, I do agree that the term I don't really use the term that often, that specific combination of two words. What about you? Um, let me think. I, hmm, I, I, okay, this is definitely privileged speaking, I think, but I feel like you're right. I don't really say Asian American unless I'm like <laughs> shouting on Twitter. Um, I feel like I say I'm Asian because the American part is implied i think actually maybe that's not religious speaking because like regardless of like usually when we're talking about asian things we're in america yeah yeah and speaking yeah (laughs) yeah no yeah 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 it's it's like i don't i don't other people don't do it so like why do i have to say american anyway um more character count um yeah i i feel like you know we don't you know asian people feel like the american part is implied it doesn't matter because we all know we're living in you know western nations um and i don't think white people care about the american part because they will pretty much at least i think in our lifetimes always think asians are outsiders so why bother yeah. with like <laughs> yeah. the american part you know like yeah. i don't um yeah um i i hate like this whole i, I know like in common like <laughs> asian american spaces um there's a lot of like oh asia isn't a monolith kind of thing and like yes that's true but like it doesn't really matter if like white people can't tell us apart you know what i mean i mean like it does matter like but like it it also doesn't matter you know Mm, yeah um so yeah i i agree with your ranking is what i'm trying to say (laughs) yeah yeah i agree yeah it is true that yeah, I mean, because even if we were, I suppose if we were in Canada or Australia, we might put the American part of it afterward. But other than that, not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do remember I, a few years ago, I met, yeah. um, I met, I guess you would call him an Asian German because he was from Germany, Germany, but he was Vietnamese, Asian German. Yeah. And he, even he was like, oh, yeah, we're both Asian. There's no, the, the nationality part just did not matter as much. Basically what, you know, we can gather from this is what I've been thinking is, and I guess kind of what you mentioned earlier is that the term Asian American is mainly just used by governments and corporations right now. I was calling it like a government psyop, you know, psychological operation. <laughs> They're trying to make you think a certain way and still believe in this thing. This is this is a real tinfoil hat moment for you it i feel a tinfoil like. hat um, <laughs> it's a sorry yeah <laughs> i was trying to think what's the asian version of a t- what's the asian version of a tinfoil hat but um a, a rice a, oh it's a rice cooker um, hat like a, a, a chinese takeout yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, like say, yeah. Rice cooker hat. that's good that's good yeah aluminum yeah just a rice <laughs> rice cooker hat moment yeah but i really think that governments and corporations i mean especially in this month a lot of governments and corporations really push this on us 
to and i don't Mm -hmm. think anyone's really buying it yeah i it's corporations buying it anyway um yeah i would agree with that i think (laughs) so malcolm x he wrote about the march on washington um and he kind of talked a lot about how leading up to the march you know there was a lot of black pain and agony okay i'm not comparing our struggles to the black pain or anything like that um but interestingly the white house invited the march organizers like ASAP, like before the march organizers were really like settled into the march and like had everything planned or anything planned, um, the White House was there already. Um, and Malcolm X kind of talks about how basically the White House controlled every aspect of the march because they were able, the, the organizers worked with the White House and um, controlled a lot of the, the logistics. Um, and uh, I don't know. He, you know, the march is important. I'm ne- we're not denying that. But like, you know, Malcolm X talks about how people held hands with oppressors and it was a photo op and a status symbol. Um, and like what was originally like a protest became a picnic. Um, what originally was like, an a- he says, an angry riptide um, was now a, quote, gentle flood. And I think there's something about like when the U.S. government legitimizes or like, you know, like comes to terms with you and it's like, oh, Asian-American. It, I feel like it kind of loses a, its bite, you know? Yeah. At the ground level, if you talk to, you know, non-East Asian people, there's like a lot of discontent with this topic, right? And so it yeah. feels like you're just trying to pacify all these people with this term. And it's it's working. I wouldn't even say it's working now. And sooner or later, we just might stop using this term altogether. Yeah, which I think would probably be a good thing. I don't know like when you think about it um because we kind of cover this uh, I don't know it feels like almost the body of our work at this point but like when you think about like East Asian issues obviously we have a lot of you know like we have our own like there you know like a lot of Chinese people are in poverty etc cetera, etc cetera. but the loudest East Asian issues are like we need to be in more movies that's so much easier to pacify and like quote solve than it is like Southeast Asians are being deported. And full disclosure, we do know that we do recognize that there is a PI, a Pacific Islander part of the month. Um, and that's why we'll be doing a full episode on them later um, coming up because they deserve their own. Um, so that's hence why we're not covering it here. <laughs> yeah, we but, should uh, probably put that up. <laughs> We probably should, <laughs> probably should have mentioned that a little bit earlier. But yeah. Okay. If you're list, if you are a true fan, you will uh, hear this eventually. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the second part, which is just talking about Asian American history at school. We're talking K through 12, college, grad school, you name it. Uh, before we get into what's going on right now, Jerry, what did you learn in high school and college about Asian American history? And I say both because I'm not sure how much if you learned a lot in one or the other, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm just keeping it broad right now. That's really kind of you. <laughs> um, so I went to school in Alabama. So <laughs> um, I did not take my university did not offer an Asian American curriculum. Um, there was mm. no department. There was mm. no Asian American studies. Nothing. So nothing in college. Um, and then in high school, I learned about Japanese internment. I think. 
um, because that's part of the AP US history curriculum, I hope, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and then this isn't Asian American, but there was that one chapter in world history about Chinese explorers. Yeah. So that's it. What about you? Nice. Uh, very, very similar. I would say I actually learned a lot more about Japanese internment because Arkansas was actually the home of a Japanese internment camp. Yay! Yay! Yeah, surprise! <laughs> it was called. It's called Roar, kind of like R R O H R, but sounds very much like a tiger. You know, like how you would say like a tiger, a lion roaring. And uh-huh. yeah, you know, we even had we. This was kind of cool, actually. We had we had George Takei come over to our high school, and he talked about his experience in the camp as a kid. And yeah, he wasn't like Yuji. He was like two or three four or five okay. had very no like no memory like it just mm. he kind of yeah from what i remember him talking about he just had no strong recollections of what was going on so it didn't make him a political activist yeah mm, until see. later until later but yeah in high school that was a big part probably read one or two sentences about the chinese gold miners but honestly that's mm. it and similarly in college my university did not offer any classes in Asian American studies until the year I was graduating. And that year I was so swamped with architecture classes that I didn't, <laughs> I did not have any room for anything else. Um, oh, a, a lot of my Asian American education actually came right after I graduated. Mm-hmm. When I graduated, went back home to Arkansas, I ordered five books on Asian American history. Mm-hmm. That's why I started reading like the book like Yellow or like the history of Chinese in America, history of Asian Americans. And mm-hmm. I just literally read like five books and learned about so many events at once that I should have learned in an Asian American 101 class. But essentially <laughs> spread out over time. <laughs> yeah. Essentially I had to do all of my learning by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. But um yeah, but what we we're saying sounds very similar to what's actually happening in K through 12 right now. So when I was looking this up, there are two main academic sources for researching Asian American history content in K through 12 books, in case anyone else wants to actually read the text. The first one is a 2013 paper called Asian Americans in American History, an Asian Crit Perspective on Asian American Inclusion in State U.S. History Curriculum Textbooks by Sohyun An. And the second one is a 2016 book called Asian slash American Curricular Epistemicide <laughs> from Being Excluded to Being a Model Minority by mm-hmm. Daniel, Daniel P. Scott and Nicholas D. Hartlev. That's just to put the titles out there. But the summary of what they're saying is that in many K through 12 places, except for Japanese American incarceration and early Chinese immigrant experiences, Asian Americans are not really present in any reviewed history standards for K through 12 textbooks. That's bonkers to me. It's, it's basically <laughs> what you learned in Alabama to be yeah. honest yeah, or in Arkansas, yeah. right? It's these, these two experiences are the main ones that are talked about. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of these authors argue that part of the reason this is bad is because, you know, Chinese people, not Chinese people, just Asian, say Asians in America, right? Asian Americans have the stereotype as foreigners already. And, mm-hmm. you know, due to those two experiences, but also other things. And if the only things that people are reading in history books are also about us being foreigners, then of course, like we're just, 
yeah our entire history in america is just about constantly being foreigners or being distri- uh, discriminated against because we are foreigners mm. right? it's, it's always mm. one of those two things yeah i'm i'm gonna need i'm gonna need um some curriculums that get us up to speed because i am tired of seeing hashtags like we belong here yeah it, no exactly right yeah That's part i think part of the consequence of only reading about stories of us as foreigners that we always get caught up in this whole narrative of oh i'm caught between two worlds uh you know i don't feel asian mm-hmm. enough American. yeah i think the the chapters about foreigners in u.s history textbooks are also giving us identity crisis for generations so it's, it's yeah. yeah history in the textbook is causing history to repeat itself <laughs> yeah bonkers so even if we like learn our history i don't know it's it's yeah that's it's like, that's hard um there's no like manifesto or something that's like you know accessible or well known um so like i don't know maybe we've gotten comfy um yeah weird model minority chair yeah exactly exactly right there's no i mean we yeah there's (laughs) honestly if somebody just wrote a manifesto saying stop talking about this we belong let's move on that would help tremendously (laughs) like we are just and people read it and if people read it and and if people read it right like like a key text that we could just cite over and over again that could count (laughs) yeah just just counter all the all the history curriculum that's yeah it's literally just two events it's just two main events that are everyone i mean that makes more sense to me now that when i honestly even when i read about like hate crime still happening a lot of people say stuff like oh go back to you know wherever right or, you know, this is our country, right? I think this, and I'm just imagining, oh, of course, like you only learn about these two events in high school. You probably didn't buy a whole bunch of Asian American history books yourself. So you just grow up yeah. to age whatever, 30, 40, 50, and you literally just know those two events about us, which is so crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, what what would you put in your, um, in your APAM curriculum? Oh, is that is that how you say it? APAM. APAM? <laughs> I, I've just been spelling out, I've been yeah. spelling out the letters every time because I wasn't sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's just how I say it. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would I put in mind? I we just need some more key texts or you know, activists. Like, oh, I will say, you know, ranking after Japanese American incarceration and Chinese Chinese immigrants coming over. Number three was Asian activists in the 1960s, but it's a it's a very low ranking mm-hmm. third place. Like the gap between second and third is really big. So if I were to design my own I thing, I would definitely want that section to be a lot bigger. I think mm-hmm. that would make mm-hmm. people see that Asian Americans have done a lot politically and yeah, they've just been very vocal about, you know, their identity and belonging. And just we just need some stuff to buff, you know, buffer all of the the foreigner content that everyone is exposed yeah. to. That's that's what I think. It's super generally that's that's what I think. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. deep. Yeah. That's what deep. about you? Um Yeah, so I have a lot of thoughts because um in in high school I had to take AP European history, which is hands down the worst subject I have ever taken in my life. Um, and 
I used to talk with my AP Euro teacher and I was like, why don't we have an AP Asian class? Um, God, (laughs) such a loser. Um, That's good. That's good. I like that. You could, you could honestly have a, wait, that's so true because you could honestly have an entire class about that. Yeah, of AP course. Asian history, yeah. AP Asian history, AP African history, you know, yeah, like there's, yeah, yeah. there's so much. Oh there's my so God, much. that's so true. Why do we have European? Yeah, it's literally just AP European history and then AP world history. Right? Yeah, we get lumped into that's world. so true. Wow. Talk about Eurocentric perspective. Wow. Mm-hmm. Even, even the AP exams only care about Europeans. Yeah, okay. Anyways, so go on. <laughs> <You're in there. laughs> yeah, he was a, he was a great teacher. And um, I used to think about like, or I guess like not all the time because I was like in high school and I didn't know. But like, you know, looking back on it, these are some things that I would have um, added. Um, you know, we kind of mentioned it earlier. Transcontinental Railroad, such an easy, easy integration. All you have to do is include a couple of lines about like how Chinese workers helped build that, if not built it. We, we didn't help. We built it, um, you know. Um, and then... Uh, you know more of that like kind of what you're saying just in general like this whole like we i did you know the filipinos were here first they they were colonized by the spanish so they came here actually in like the 14th century um and then their first documented oh, wow. city yeah first documented city was like 1587 um so you're so filipinos are actually more american than <laughs> what than white british people who can <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then uh, let's see, uh, you know, I think we I can't remember. I, you know, we did talk about it, but I can't remember if we've actually if, if this was covered in my history class or not. But like Chinese immigration. Act, and then with the addendum, I guess kind of on the bigger picture um, moves that were done in Asian best interest, but were actually done in. Um, just to fill, fulfill American agenda. So, for example, the um, Chinese Immigration Act was um, repealed in hopes of like building a trans-Pacific alliance with China during World War II and like against Japan. And oh, then, like, okay. You know, I, I didn't know that. The COVID, you know, yeah, and yeah, so things like that. Um, and then, lastly, of course, just like incidents of mass organizing, kind of like what you talked about with like. Asian activists, um, just because everyone's always like, oh, Asian Americans never speak out. Untrue. Untrue. We have a history of it. We have a yeah, history of speaking yeah. out. So, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so. That's crazy that the Chinese Immigration Act was only repealed because America needed China to mm-hmm. be like a meat shield against Japan, yep. <laughs> essentially. Yep. You know, uh, the huge beef that yeah huge beef in world war ii but that's crazy that's yeah that's honestly kind of insulting too to be honest uh you (laughs) you you yeah that was not done in good faith that was done in um (laughs) wow yeah and um i will say i'll throw one i'll throw one for the south asians who if south asians listen to our podcast um there's a ton of like multiple as many times as like asian americans have sued like harvard and affirmative action there's been multiple cases throughout American history where South Asian immigrants point out that technically the Aryan people pre-Hitler um, come from India. So technically, if Aryan equals white, then these South Asians should be granted oh. citizenship. <laughs> but 
yeah, courts were like, well, you're not white. So yeah. we, can tell by, we can tell with our eyes. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. also just kind of like when people say that, you know, a long, long, long time ago, right? Human, yeah, the yeah. human species originated somewhere in Africa. Yes. Before or, m- yeah, or Mesopotamia. I always get those mixed up. Af- <laughs> yeah, but yes, Africa and Mesopotamia, like those regions, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a little further. Yeah, exactly, that general region. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it originated there, then spread out everywhere else. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Got oh, it. wait, I did want to ask, how did you guys talk about the Vietnam War? Did you guys ever get to the Vietnam War? I honestly don't remember. I did take AP US history, but the problem with AP US history is that at least for my class, so much of, you know, we we kind of taught to the exam and a bulk of the exam is, you know, maybe Cold War and before, right? And even that's kind of not super covered, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. there's so much time spent on like the early revolutionary period, the Battle of Appomattox. See, I don't even know what the Battle of Appomattox is, but I just remember the name. There's oh. so much content that's focused on that World War II and before era that we essentially, it's like, I don't remember talking that much about the Vietnam War, if at all. I barely remember talking about Cold War related things and just anything mm-hmm. after anything after 1950s is such a blur and all i remember is that in the u.s history textbook that we use it was such a slim segment that <laughs> i remember 9 11 being in there at the very end <laughs> but like it's such a slim segment that i really they really grouped these last six decades into such a slim section of the book yeah yeah okay did okay. you talk about the vietnam war in your ap u.s history class i think we did um i like you my school also taught to the test um and although i do think the the question that year was like on something in the cold war and we were all royally screwed um <laughs> like dbq i think that's what it was i don't know um but uh i i remember like never i think i read like a little bit but like there's an, i have never laid eyes on one history one American history book that says America lost that war. Like I have never seen a history book that says America lost the war or sorry, mm. public school history book. Yeah. Say America lost the war. I, I read like, Oh, we suffered a lot of casualties. We, it was like an expensive war. Um, a lot of people died. It was not popular back home, but no one ever says America lost the war. Yeah. The, I forgot the author, the authors of the Asian American history and K through 12 textbooks authors. They also just argue that in general, even U.S. history textbooks are part of, you know, a, an agenda to like shape people's perspectives of America. Right. Yeah. Propaganda. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Propaganda. Yeah. But it's like in America, right. Maybe part of the reason why we hear so much about the revolutionary war is because in the end we beat the British, right. It really mm-hmm. cements a huge narrative up front. You go into that class in the first three months, you just learn about how America struggled a lot, but in the end we were victorious, right. We came out on top and beat another country. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it's textbooks as tools for PSYOP propaganda. Right. And it's, it's not an unbiased, source of information by itself but yeah that's that's probably also the reason why right especially because it's more recent Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah no uh yeah yeah that's a really good note about the revolutionary war i like tell me why we can name like battles and like 
name people, but like I can't name one thing about the Vietnam War, or, like anything we did in Asia. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, weird. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. moving on, there are some states that are trying to change this. Uh, most notably, I've been reading news about the Illinois House recently passed a bill to mandate Asian American history in schools. And in New York City, 2,500 people signed a petition to try to get something similar done. Just some piece of legislation that says you must teach more stuff in school. Mm. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. If if Andrew Yang wins the mayoral race and doesn't sign that, I'm, I'm what was it all for? <laughs> what was yeah. it all for? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's it's it's kind of depressing, honestly, to see that legislation's being passed right now for it because mm. that means it it will hit the history textbooks in the next five years. Right. So that's another whole generation of college students those four years who will probably not see that much mm. and k through 12 a whole generation of high school students who will still not see that so yeah yeah geez my goodness um we should we we should maybe publish our our own curriculum yeah. on the <laughs> website but anyways um you know kind of bouncing off of that and talking about doing our own thing we always like to talk about solutions and being being part of the change on the politically Asian podcast. So we are now in our community update section um, and where we just highlight um, organizations, groups, uh, grassroots efforts to help better Asians. Um, and for my homework for this week, um, I brought in um, Asians for Abolition. You can find them on Instagram. Um, just generally good for education, I think. Um, personally, that's that's the way to liberation. Um, and then a more, um, what's it, not tangible, that sounds so bad, but like something that you can directly contribute to is Apex for Youth. They do youth mentorship. Um, they, sign, they connect uh, working professionals with low-income or immigrant Asian families so that um, young immigrant or low-income Asian kids have like a nice little mentor to look up to. So yeah. Mm. Oh, nice. That's a, yeah, a buddy yeah. program. Yeah, buddy yeah. program. The only the, the one I saw also was the Asians for Abolition, but only because Youth Against Displacement. I've been following them a lot still with the whole Jing Fong mm -hmm. story, and they've been sharing a lot of each other's stories. So I would honestly just still say for at least New York City related Asian issues, mm -hmm. still Youth Against Displacement, and they've been working a lot with Asians for Abolition. Yeah, yeah, great, great. And if you um, if you want to see what we've covered in previous, you can just see, go to our website um, at politicallyasianpodcast.card.com. Um, that's card with two R's, though I promise we will get a real website with an actual domain soon. <laughs> and the last part of our episode is the other half to... I guess, besides community solutions, we always want to keep an eye on what exactly are the police doing? Are, is what they're doing working? So today, what I have are two things. First, the NYPD first announced that hate crimes against Asian Americans rose by 400% compared to this time last year. 
which is crazy, right? It's such a huge number. I wish they were yeah. talking, <laughs> like wish they were talking about stocks instead. They are not. Uh, it's a huge number. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 But something that I thought was more interesting was they started working with local martial arts centers to teach self-defense. So the one I saw was they were working with a center in Queens and they had about a 60 person turnout. It's a mix of young people Mm -hmm. and old people, which was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's but like, why? Why did the cops need to do that? Yeah, why, why couldn't it have just been? <laughs> why couldn't it have just been the martial arts groups? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, suspicious. I, don't be suspicious. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not. It does sound good. Like you know, like ideally, this is something that cops would do more of, right? Just community engagement yeah. and empowering individual you know community members to have their own things as well instead of purely relying on police Mm -hmm. so yeah it's to me it seems better than what they've done before but i'm also like yeah is this a pr stunt for you what's what's going on are you going to be consistent about this or i don't know yeah yeah um yeah well i think I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that's our time for this podcast. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this podcast, this episode. Um, again, you can follow the podcast at Politically Asian Podcast on Instagram, um, at Political Asian Pod on Twitter, or email us your thoughts at Politically Asian Podcast at gmail.com. Gr. What our handle is politically Asian podcast politically. Okay. Anyways, if you really want to help us out, um, you could leave an Apple review. Um, it'd be especially cool if you can throw in some words. They don't Please. even have to be coherent sentences, but Apple loves, loves reviews with words. So please send some of those. Uh, yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening. See you next week and bye. Bye.